welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 271. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And here we are, Bill, as we were just commenting to our Facebook viewers before we started the official audio recording. It is hot as hell in the Northeast. It's yeah, very hot. It's very hot. Um, yeah, it's been hot other places. Um, and um, I read, I've been reading in the New York Times and other places about the water crisis in India. Like in five years, the, the, Indian have, the Indian government has a five-year window to solve the problem, or there'll be 100 million people without direct water sources. 100 million people without water. That, that's, that's just, uh, I mean, the, the one, the one because of the monsoons have been unpredictable, and therefore there's less, and then there's been less, um, you know, the, the snowfall has been not as much in the Himalayas, where a lot of that comes from. So it is, uh, yeah, there's this one town where they're having to pipe, you know, bring trucks in and water. It's just pretty, it's remarkable. That's, uh, is there a mirror, or do we swap places? I don't know. We didn't swap places. We didn't swap places. What do we look like? Do we look, uh... Let me see. You know what? I'll do this. Watch this. I'll do this. Somebody just asked us. This is from our Facebook viewers, and apparently we look different. We're on a different side. So if I do this, watch. No, there we go. Oh, wait. No, that's the mirror setting. No, no, we didn't. This we, is how we always look to us. This is how we always look to us. Do we look different? I'm going to look on Facebook. I'm looking right now to see if we look different. This is so surreal, like us, like looking at us, seeing a commentary. Uh, it, we do look. No, look. This is how we look. This is how we always look. Oh, wait. I feel like that's how we always look. Or no, maybe we do. Do we look like this? Do we look like that normally? Wait, I don't This is great radio, by the way. <laughs> Usually I'm on the right. And I'm on the left. Let's, well, it's uh, probably fair. <laughs> oh, that is how we normally look? All right, let's leave it like that. That's Now we're seeing it how people see us right now. All right. And now Tilly throws... Again, great radio. Tilly throws me off, Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah, this is interesting because this, this is great radio. But, uh, yeah, that is normally how we look. That's interesting. When you look at the video, that is how we look. All right, there we go. We just figured it out. So let me, you know, this, thank you, Benjamin. Thank and, you. And we may, yeah, we, we, may ask you, we may ask you later to speak on behalf of all Jewish people. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of the president speaking on behalf of all of you. Yeah. Although, if we asked him to speak for all Orthodox Jews in Morgantown, he still couldn't do that. But he would be, <laughs> he would be a more representative sampling. Uh, he said this looks so much better. There we go. All right. Very nice. Yeah, that's so, weird. So I just heard this. I've, like Netflix, like overwhelmingly the biggest viewed show on Netflix was like The Office reruns, which is amazing. So of of the things that they have on Netflix that are original content, like the top, like the top 10 things people want to stream. Mm-hmm. In that top 10 list, only like two things, Orange is the New Black and like Ozark are Netflix things. Like, so, so much of the stuff that we're streaming is, other, is older content, which is interesting. So how do you... Because there's some really good things, original stuff on Netflix. Yeah. It's just, I thought maybe like Stranger Things, that's pretty popular, right? Yeah, it is. But this is it's not in like the top like 10, apparently. Oh, wow. So this is because there's this like there's these people that think like Disney's becoming a monopoly because they're creating all this content that people want to see, and maybe that just shows you it's better to have the 
creative content than the platform. I don't know what that's. Have you seen every episode of Office between? Yeah. I, I, I may have just between the years of reruns. I mean, yeah. there were period, there were years I didn't watch it every year, but I think maybe through reruns. My son my, John has that on a lot. It's stream. It's a very popular. It's a fun. It's a fun show. No, so that's uh, yeah. That I found that very interesting. That 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 content sort of. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I say, why don't they? I wonder, like, if movie theaters. What if they did like surge pricing, like Uber? Like, if you went like on a Saturday night to see such and such, you went to see Saturday night of opening the Avengers, it'd be like thirty bucks. If you went to see some independent film, it'd only be eight bucks. Or well, didn't they used to pay? What those usually aren't those advanced premieres or whatever a little more expensive? I don't know. I've never done them. Yeah. No, I've never. I don't know, but it's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But there you go. That's. These are my deep thoughts about reality. <laughs> I think a lot about. I think a lot about television. Yeah. yeah, I do. I think it's so interesting. Yeah. Well, um, I was thinking if someone told me to go back to where I came from, I was trying to think where that would be. Patterson, New Jersey. Is that where you're born. from? That's where you're born. I was born in Kaiser. Second, Western. Isn't that the second biggest waterfall? Like, the, like Patterson Falls are pretty big. North America. Really I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I feel like I. Uh, so I was born in West well, Virginia. If there was only a pocket computer where I could, where I could just look at this and find out quickly the answer. And my father's side of the family's been here since 1760. So where they came from? You're like a true. You could be. You are like a sort of native. You could be a nativist. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I was here before the country was a country. So at least half of my genetic material. Uh, the other half came over one during one of the potato famines. Yeah, I always said my ancestors left the poverty of Ireland and uh, settled in West Virginia to improve themselves. <laughs> there you go. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't quite. Well, I don't know how well it worked out. Yeah, interesting. Um, gosh, an interesting. And and you know, it's such an unfortunate thing too. I mean, there's a sense where. I mean, I don't, I'm not a person who believes in, you know, inevitable progress in society. But the fact that race is going to be an explicit, uh, and even a more explicit issue in the 2020 election than it was in the 2016 is is a little, is more than a little depressing. It's it's disturbing and a bunch of other things as well. Yeah. And the fact that people don't understand, I mean, that seems to be a pretty basic trope. Go back to where you came from, that people say that's not necessarily racist, particularly when it's directed to... Uh, uh, four women who are, you know, all uh, brown or black. I, I, I don't know. That just seems, um, I don't know. It's just pretty, 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 uh, pretty blatant. But you know, I've, again, I saw an interview with uh, a half a dozen Trump female Trump supporters, and they didn't say anything wrong with it. So that is problematic. Our our uh, our our representative was one of the few Republicans who voted. To condemn the racist comments, Brian Fitzpatrick voted. It was four, right? Four, four, and one independent. Yeah. Now again, I, his that that has to be poll tested. Ah, okay, that's cynical. Well, we're we're, we're, a, we're a very we're a um, we're we're turning blue as a as a as a uh, as a district, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think he's he. You know, I don't know. I'm glad he did it, but I also there's a sense where. You know, I understand the res- Congress had to do it, but I also, you know, where does that get us? It gets us ignoring the fact that uh, he's probably going to be named in court tomorrow by name as a co-conspirator for uh, campaign fraud, the president. Campaign fraud, yeah. It's, uh, 
It's interesting. Like, so what, why this tweet? So, I mean, do you, is it, I mean, there's that John Boehner uh, quote people were talking about that Boehner used to say, even when his caucus was sort of divided and could be rancorous, he'd say, hey, look, when the, when the other guy is committing suicide, don't shoot him. <laughs> but, you know, but then I don't know. Is it that you, someone like, is it Trump is just can't, here's this big story that of the Democratic infighting and he's not at the center of it. So you put yourself. I think it probably started out just as a reactionary thing. And then, then it became more calculating. I mean, how, how do, who, who, how do we yeah, I, would, I would guess it's not super. Ca- although, is it? Is it bad politics for Donald Trump? It's that's it. Remain one has yet to find something that's bad politics for Donald Trump. Donald Trump and his base. So that remains to be seen. Um, but I, you know, I, I think you know it, it's so. Gosh, I mean, I feel like I'm a kid again here, and you know, America, love it or leave it. I mean, this feels so reminiscent of you know the, the things that you hardly understood, but they were going on as a kid during the Vietnam War. Um, yeah, what I knew was, uh, my grandfather, uh, damned both Republicans and Democrats. It was, uh, for, it was GD Democrat Lyndon Bain Johnson until Nixon got elected, and then it was GD Rich Nixon. And they were just boys from our community never came home. For our dollars, that's goddamn. That's what he meant. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid, you know, I got in trouble with the reform folks for violating a, uh, what was I? I was a T, I was a 2C violation okay i'm trying not to be a other violation i'm trying to i'm trying to be good well i think uh yeah that what was i going to say well for the two you caught me off by the 2c violation that was that's very a graven image i i oh, uh, yeah, graven. a picture is picture of jesus a violation of the second commandment and some of our reformed brothers think it is yeah, we were, but we were talking about the politics of the thing. And yeah. Oh, right. Well, I was starting to say, but you know. Oh, you were saying love it or leave it. Yeah, Vietnam. Yeah. You know what's interesting to me? Hollywood liberals, right, always say, if Bush gets elected, I'm going to leave. And if Trump gets elected, why doesn't anybody ever leave? No, maybe it's been a little more longer summers in, in the South of France. Yeah, that's just an interesting thing. I don't, that, but, but I actually think, yeah, I, I think love, the problem with love it or leave it, right, I mean, is that. It's un-American. Yeah, part of the heart of the country is not soil it's not blood and soil you're it's it's ideals and part of the ideals are free speech and being critical of you know you sort of the, uh, always a more perfect union right like you yeah perfecting an imperfect union and ironically some of the people who say love it or leave it are people whose ancestors actually tried to leave yeah <laughs> during the civil war you know they actually broke away from and, and trump was somebody that was saying got elected saying we're losing it's awful we're oh yeah no. we're, we're getting like so there was he was a huge critic of things before that he also said the job numbers were complete bullshit until he was in office then the job numbers he actually spicer quote of that he said they may have been fraudulent before but they're real now <laughs> but I, I i it's just interesting though that, that do you aside from the nativist racist it's a lot of asides but is saying that the democrats are the equivalent of omar and and casio cortez the squad that's the democrats and that's you know if if you're looking for eighty thousand votes in three states i mean aren't don't aren't uh, let's like 
you know, you've been to Chambersburg recently yeah. in West Virginia. How does AOC and her, how, how does the Green New Deal and no hamburgers pull at, uh, <laughs> pull at Chambersburg these days? <laughs> not real high, not real high. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it? because of the conversations you find here. If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month or more? It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcast projects I've got in the works. So I invite you. To be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Andrew Stravitz, Barry Stewart, Ben Crosby, Ben DeHart, Carol Clemens, Charlotte Donlin, David Norling, David Saul, Ellis Brazil, Jennifer Spite, Jennifer Underwood, Jim Cress, Joel Wentz, John Schneider, Jonathan Butran, Jordan Mossberger, Josh Redder, Kai Wittenpeg, Larry Rule, Liam O'Brien, Michael Butera, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Konauer, Sari Graham, Simone Garabedi, and Stephen Rowe, and Jody Stevenson. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the show. Well, I mean, and, and the Democrats yeah, ran against the Freedom Caucus. Uh, uh, the Democrats ran against Donald Trump. And so, uh, yeah, there, you know, there is some there's some history where, you know, uh, Running, you know, I mean, Clinton ran against Dole Gingrich. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> like and, I said, the two people that hated each other. And Trump was still running against uh, Clinton, and even after he was president. So you know, I, I, you know, there's a sense where, you know, those those things. That's you know, the shorthand seems to work again. It appeals to people's, um, you know, appeals to something primal. It appears appeals to something that. You know, we've, we've talked so much about it. And, and one of the things I, why we were talking, why I suggested we talk about this is, uh, to tie it together a little bit with, uh, we're both reading, uh, Brother Fitch's new book. Um, uh, I'm supposed to do a review soon here on it. So where I, where are you reviewing it? Well, I guess I'll do, I, I think Amazon for one, he asked me to do that, but I think I'll put it on, up on Resident Exile as well. Oh, nice. And I might do it on, uh, um, Christine signs. What about if you just did one of those things that people do, like sixteen tweets, like tweet one, tweet two, and review the thing in like seventeen tweets? I love when people do that. Yeah. Well, and and I think the thing about it, I want to quote from him. Uh, the book is the what the full title is what the Church of Us versus them. Is that right? Did I get that wrong? What's the title? I don't have it pulled up here. The full title is Us versus them. The full title is the Church of Us versus them. Oh, that is the full title. Yeah, there's no subtitle. Yeah, the church. At any rate, um, can you turn off your cell data? Because that little. I thought I did. I don't know. Maybe you did. I did. I thought. I I don't have mine on. Any rate, hear a little clicking. Do you hear that clicking? It's off. So I I actually did the right thing for once, Jerry. Mine is Somebody, a new person listened to our podcast the other day, and he says, you know, I like kind of like it, but sometimes it seems like you guys just wander all over the place. I go, yep, that's the. (laughs) 
that's us. That's us a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. But I want to this one quote, I think, particularly kind of tying things together. And this is um, in a chapter, you know, where he talks about enemies no more, the idea of, of trying to get beyond enemies. And I think this is actually the idea of being peacemakers is part of the Anabaptist and his neo-Anabaptist program, I think, actually is a is a very important corrective. Part of the Sermon on the Mount program. Too. Yeah, it was part of Jesus. It was kind of for it. It was mildly for it. Mildly for that. Uh, whenever a distinctive belief becomes extracted from everyday life, from real life discernment and spirit, and becomes an identity marker, it can be used to set off one side against another. It becomes the process of enemy making. And a lot of the first part of the book is just talking about different ways that that has happened, whether it be views of the Bible, views of the atonement, evangelism. Like you would talk about like the tremendous problem with alcoholism and stuff that happened in the late 19th or 20th century where Americans are out drinking like a pot, like, you know. Or the early, I mean, the, the yeah. revolutionary period in the early 1800s was a big problem. And the, in the Methodist sort of responding to that and, and, and then sort of the, it becomes like, out of a need to sort of help people that are struggling, it then becomes seeing anybody with alcohol, even a fellow Christian, is is a them, right? It's us versus right. them. So it becomes not an issue of concern merely, but then becomes an identity marker, and the identity marker then becomes an antagonism where the other people are demonized because of so. And it's with the Bible or whatever. Any of you that you get passionate about, however noble the passion begins, it often winds up being this kind of adversarial way of demonizing people and making them the other. Yeah, I mean, alcohol is a good example. I mean, I, I was around uh, Christians that what had become an identity marker in the northern part of the Bible Belt. Matter of fact, my, um, you know, the, uh, Bill Parter, who was my, my uh, pastor when I became, you know, came under care as a Presbyterian. I mean, Presbyterians don't have any problem with it, but he would not go to a liquor store in town just because he didn't want to offend uh, the majority of Christians in Chambersburg because of it. And, you know, it was interesting. That was one of the things you kind of reacted against because there was a sense of it was this list of do's and don'ts you, you, you had to follow. Um, in fact, I remember used to hide when, uh, when the in-laws would come over, would hide the alcohol because they were, they were teetotalers. However, um, I was in Guatemala, um, and, um, you know, this is, you know, 10, 15 years after, uh, you know, I'm in ministry and the Pentecostal, those little Pentecostal churches there were, um, you know, preached abstinent. But the fact is, you know, it was life and death among, you know, the Mayan people. And also uh, the violence, you know, so much domestic violence was tied to alcohol. Um, you know, it was one of the reasons it kept people under the poverty line. So, you know, something, it reminded me, well, yeah, that's exactly what Wesley was about against the gin houses, you know, and, in London, and it was also what the early temperance movement was about, uh, the huge alcohol problem in this country. Uh, so it, it's an interesting, I think that's a great example of how a, you know, a a life-giving lifestyle issue uh, becomes one of these markers. It's us, us and them. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, it's, where do you come from? You, you go back to where you come from. I mean, it's hard to come up with a larger, uh, you know, marker than that. Um, but I do think there's a sense where, and I think this is where uh, Jeff's book is really helpful. Fitch's book. I'm sorry, Fitch. I had a friend named uh, uh, Jeff Fitch. David Finch's book's helpful in that um, 
it reminds us to, or at least it gives us uh, some self-conscious ways of not participating in this binary way of being that that is, um, you know, it's very much a part of the American political scene and it's playing itself out among Christians as well. So I think one of the great, um, by recognizing that this kind of thing happens, uh, and I think that one, my favorite chapter of the book is the one where he talks about, you know, kind of American Christianity right now and, you know, is, you know, is our, our, our options Falwell or Wallace? And in some levels that they, uh, you know, you've talked about this all the time. It's just two different versions of the new light argument. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and so that, that, I mean, I think he offers a, a different way, um, a different way to look at that, but I think it's actually pretty, pretty helpful. So how do we, you know, again, we've been talking about this and, uh, those of you who listen to sermons, you know, I, there turned out to be four or five sermons on one way or the other this theme about what's it mean for us to emphasize unity? What's it mean for us to be peacemakers? What is it for us not to participate in, uh, whether you call it worldly or fleshy or destructive binary uh, ways of identifying people as other? Uh, and, um, you know, and and it's sometimes something as overt as what the president said, or as you know, Kellyanne said the other day during during that. Did you see her press conference where she asked? She's like, "Well, where are you come from? Where, where's your Where's your background?" And what's the great The great thing is like watching people attempt to sort of parse out a tweet like that and search. Yeah, I know. Like, it's yeah. pretty. It's it's a fascinating. Well, also the fact that using the trope colorblind, not a, not a uh, racist bone in one's body. I, I don't think I don't think racism resides in the skeletal system. <laughs> so that's not that's not the problem. <laughs> if you say there's, if you have to claim there's not a racist bone in your body, there might be a racist bone in your body. Like usually, I have no problem with. Exactly, yeah, exactly. If you start it's that, you probably have a problem. You probably have just a, a struggle somewhere. Yeah, you know, I I have you know I'm not racist. I've had you know I've had racial ethnic people waiting on me my entire life. <laughs> That's kind of what's going on. But I, I think this this idea of of trying to um yeah, you know, even how we respond, I mean I th- I think we have to speak out against racism. I think that's but how you speak out against it uh, can be you don't want to become you don't want to become like the very things you are reacting against. I think that's always the struggle. I think that's part of what what um Fitch's book is is saying. Well, he he poses something too. Did AOC get caught up in Trump's game? And, and here you have AOC's chief of staff saying that the 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 Blue Dog Caucus, you know, which was chaired by someone that's black, right? They're they're race. They're going to be the new Southern Democrats, like the the Jim Crow sort of Southern Democrats, and all this stuff that is so you know is that sort of mimic. So does Trump step into something that's already you know and. And here you have like people saying that Nancy Pelosi is this paragon of racism. It's just a fascinating. No, I mean, I guess you know, there's a sense where no, there, there are the extremes on either end. You don't want them, um, you know, you want to keep them at bay. Uh, there's some real question right now of the extremes on the right are at bay, or if they're not running the show. Um, who was it the other day that said we, we're not racist? We're the party of Lincoln. And I go, oh my goodness! This is the same party that just put up a that declared uh, 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 what what's Southern general that uh, they you know the governor of Republican governor of Tennessee declared um, oh he was one of the raiders um, but he was one of the early founders of the KKK it was one of his days uh, he recently declared and uh, I, yeah I would love for them to be. The interesting thing is too could you know everybody like 
extols the New Deal. Without, like, segregationist Democrats, could you have had the New Deal? In fact, why were there Northern liberal Republicans? It's because people couldn't stomach being part of a party, New Deal or not, that had segregationist voters. I mean, it's just sort of, it's interesting the way we sort of sanitize oh, yeah, no. our, our political history. You know, like, the, these things are such a mixed bag. Always. Well, I always, I, one of my favorite Malcolm X quotes was they, you know, Robert Byrd, um, you know, the beloved, you know, minority and majority leader of, of the Senate for many years, Senator from West Virginia, uh, you know, was filibustering against the uh, civil rights legislation. And Mal- they asked, someone asked Malcolm X about uh, about uh, Robert Byrd as opposed to Lyndon Johnson. And Malcolm X said, at least he's an honest racist. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so I think we, we uh, there's, there is no little irony that LBJ is the one that gets through the uh, gets through the legislation. But I think it also, you know, uh, with Justice Stevens dying, you know, Justice Stevens, who became kind of the, you know, uh, moral center of the, of the, um, of the liberal end of the court for almost 30 years, was appointed initially to the federal bench by Nixon and appointed to the Supreme Court by Gerald Ford. And, uh, and he, he, you know, John Paul, he, he self-identified as a conservative his entire life. So, you know, you never hear anybody say, what we need is a new Gerald Ford. <laughs> well, Gerald Ford is a good guy, man. Yeah, I'm just saying you never hear it said. No, well, we may get another Gerald Ford, <laughs> depending on what happens with uh, in the uh, 2020 election. So, at any rate. But, um, yeah, so I, I do think there's a sense where... Um, it's it's such a, it's an old it's an old preacher adage, but you know before you point a finger, look at the four pointing back to you. But I I do think um, so. Before you critique people othering each other, wait, we might be othering each other. Now that's the other thing I I wonder when you're saying how you critique. I mean, I wonder if if just if try, if trying to think beyond the othering stuff, or at least try to. I mean, I consume a lot of media that's not that doesn't reflect my convictions, right? And 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 I some of it. I learn from some. Uh, yeah, like right. I, no, you try. You try, I try to, to sort of. You really try to be. But some of it's open. Also, some of it, it's like on a good day. It actually, I start putting ideas together with insights from some. I'm like, hi, oh, this is interesting. Like, yeah. And I wonder if, in some sense, like that is a is a sort of way of non antagonizingly offering an imaginative response to antagonism. It's just trying to not think antagonistically. As opposed to condemning right. antagonism. Wherever, you Can know. you find, are you trying to learn from people different from you? Are you? And I think one of the things that Fitch's book reminds us that when you don't have, when you don't live in some kind of Christian community where you're consciously submitting to each other some way, you know, and some of us just showing up every week is submitting to be around these people. And then everything you do beyond that, um, you know, I, I was a period of time where, uh, you know, I thought, what it meant to be, you know, real and real Christian community you had to do radical stuff. I mean, there was a group of us, we were going to buy a house together in the projects. And between five of us, we didn't have enough money to buy a house in the projects. That's how poor we were. But we felt this need to make these radical expressions of Christian community. You know, one of the things, uh, it was good. When, when Don Baker was one of those guys. And, and it was, it was good for him the other day to say, you know, it, it hasn't worked out the way we thought it was going to work in terms of trying to radically live the faith. But he says, I think we're still talking about the same things. And and just because it didn't turn out to be kind of these expressions of some of the some of our heroes and some of these radical communities that that lived out 
Christian community in very visible and intentional ways. When you gather together, I mean, you know, today I was I had a conversation with a colleague about how to deal with a situation, and I, I, I needed his advice. And I said, you know, I asked for his wisdom. I mean, I've got the power to deal with the situation, but I wanted his wisdom. So, I, you know, I wasn't, that was just a practical and good thing to do, but it was, a, it, was a, it was a mutual submission. It was living out our Christian community saying, you know what, my opinion about what to do here is not an end unto itself. And so I think, you know, one of the things that, that Fitch's book offers us and reminds us to do is the most basic thing that Christians have been doing from the beginning, living their lives in community. Yes, there is real hostility out there, and people may see you as an enemy, but Jesus, um, you know, is a model of what we're supposed to do with our enemies. It's not only a command. Uh, it's not only the the last great command that we're to love as he loved, but uh, some of the last words he spoke was about forgiveness for those who were hurting him. Um, and so there's a sense where I, I, I think that might be the most radical thing we, we can do right now is try to live out the peaceable kingdom, to, to borrow a book title from one of Fitch's mentors, um, uh, and try to not, um, not to study war no more, particularly among, among ourselves. Yeah, I, I'm for that. So more about we'll we'll be talking more about David's book. Um, so among other things, among other things, and we'll we'll continue, particularly with the heat uh, roaming exactly. all around and topics. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Bye now. Hey, listeners! Thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation, and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless. <laughs>